0: Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
1: This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. Cleared away by the Kings, picked up by Martinez. Martinez to Clifford, feeds it right side to Foley with a shot, save, rebound, score! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings! And royalty reigns again in the NHL!
0: All right, all right, all right, everybody. Here we go with another episode of Making It Rain here with Brandon and Joe. How's it going, Joe? I'm uh, doing real well, Brandon. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. And, you know, like we were, we had some other things planned, and, you know, I just thought that you and I should just get on here so I can see your beautiful mug, man, and we talk talked some
1: wow. hockey. I'm not too shiny, am I? Uh, you look so like you just put some turtle wax
0: on there, my man. <laughs> So no, you it's it's back. been good. How you been in the new house? What's going on with that? Good,
1: good. good. I think so far, every time we've done one of these, I'm in a different setup, but it'll get there eventually. So getting my main day job work, kind of that, that office type setup before I get everything else going, but good. So now that we've got some of like the big stuff, it's just like slowly and party is like, you know, you know, you want to get this done, you want to get that done, but then you're like, Oh, if all goes well, we're here for 30 years. So really, we <laughs> don't have to rush into everything. Yeah, we can
0: just you know, stretch this moving out for the next 25. All we need is a TV and a couch. If the kids can unpack their own things. That's all we need.
1: Yeah, yeah, the couch is fun. We're looking for a new one of those too. So yeah, loads of fun, but it's, it's good.
0: That's good, man. That's good. Yeah, I've just been... uh well, week one football was here, so that was fun. I went out with all my buddies. Uh, like, they had this private room with, like, theater seats and everything like that that had, like, six TVs in it. So that was just ripe with fun there. And then watching the Niners uh, it put up 40-plus points, always nice to see your team score that many times. So it was good. Yeah, man. I don't know if I'm good. ever going to
1: see that. The giants look like absolute garbage, so – which is hard for the course. That's what I was expecting.
0: Well, they're easing in the – they're easing in Saquon. You know, yeah, Daniel Jones is who he is, but um, the defense looked decent. You know, the defensive line yeah. at least. Yeah. So I'll take it, sure. Well, they're playing Thursday night. You think they got the Redskins? No. No.
1: I've no. The- I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you how little confidence I have in this team. I don't have confidence. I want to like Daniel Jones. I, and I want to like Saquon, but Saquon, they're going to ease him back in, as you said, and he's. he's I don't think he's in tip top at the moment. So coming off a game where we got short rest, I, uh, I don't know. I I think it's going to be an ugly game. I don't know if maybe they'll win, but I think it's going to be ugly.
0: Hey, well, good luck to him. You know, I think, I think you have a little bit of a chance with the Redskins uh, not having Fitz magic, you know, he's out for a while, but we'll see. We'll see. So speaking of games, getting back in swing, we're going to have the rookie tournament coming up. I'm pumped about that. Um, I just bought, Ah, uh, Kings tickets for out here in Dallas. I'm gonna actually see the oh, Dallas, yeah. Home, yeah, the Dallas home opener. Uh, family's coming out here, so it's gonna be my mom, my dad, and my two brothers, and I going to the Dallas home opener to watch the Kings. So they're playing the Kings on the home opener. So uh, we'll see how that works out. It should be pretty fun. Hopefully, it is. With how expensive it was, but it, uh, you know, it's <laughs> it's a cool venue to watch a game in and everything like that. And it just kind of made me think about like. You know, I have this baseball road trip thing I do every summer with my family and I see a new baseball stadium and, you know, like kind of see the world via, via sports. And then I was like, man, I've only been to a couple venues for hockey, you know, like what would be like a, a particular venue that maybe you'd want to see a Kings game in, or just like that you'd want to just see in general, like just for the atmosphere,
1: man, um, for the atmosphere, I'll say Chicago is creeping up of late but it's Montreal and it's, 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 it's really not that close for me. I just, everything about that whole, the the atmosphere, you watch the games on TV, the music, the intros, the crowd, the olay, like I cannot get enough of it. They had some stretches in the kind of mid two like 2005, 2006, 2007. They had some, some runs there. It's loads of fun. and, And I am itching to get there. So. That one is is for sure one to get to. I mean, I've been to Toronto and a bit corporate, if you will. Um, yeah. I was a little disappointed, but so but Montreal is is the one I want to check off my list.
0: Well, then you better start learning some French, man, if you want to get the full experience. <laughs> yeah, you got know, you got sure. to talk some crap in French to <laughs> get there. Um, I think uh, I think for me, I've been to Chicago. That's one of the ones I had been to. Uh, phenomenal atmosphere, Kings won on that yeah. one. I really would like to see one at MSG, Madison Square Garden. And so,
1: yeah. I've never been to that arena at
0: all. It's supposed to be super nostalgic. So, I'd like to go there.
1: Really cool, actually. I went there to see, uh, it was funny. It was that the Rangers are playing Tampa, and it was the first game back at the Garden. And they had like this, it was the last home game. They honored Lundquist. They had a video montage for like Dan Girardi, Ryan McDonough, and all those guys on Tampa, like the whole stadium was like in tears before drop. Yeah. it was it was intense but it was a really cool really cool atmosphere i was going to ask you like what's your favorite building that you've been to atmosphere wise to see to see a hockey game
0: um i think like the game itself has like a lot to play in it um you know my first game ever like being like being a new hockey fan you know like I know that a lot of people don't know that it really wasn't a hockey fan growing up, and it really stemmed from the Vancouver Olympics, watching that and like wanting to get into the sport. Now that my playing career with baseball was over with, so I got a kind of a late jump on it. Um, you know, the first game that I ever saw was at Staples, and Quickie was coming back from an injury, and it was right after the 2012 season, so 2013. And like the whole crowd was like in anticipation, like is Quicky going to start tonight, like they activated him, you know, is he going to be on the bench for one night or whatever and like, it was just palpable and like going out to the bars beforehand everybody was talking about it like they wanted to see him because in that year he got injured really early so everybody was like you know hadn't really seen him after he just dominated those playoffs you know, mm-hmm. so you know, that atmosphere was ridiculous, but I got to say, like, the overall, like, the funness of the game, and, you know, the atmosphere, and, like, I kind of like being me, a little bit of the enemy, you know, talking some crap and everything like that, mm-hmm. but watching the, the game in Chicago was ridiculous, like, yeah. you know, the Sweet Carolines, and that game was, yeah. a, like, a five-to-four game, I believe, if I remember correctly, and, you know, it was just a really fun atmosphere, and, you know, I sat, I didn't get to sit that close, because their, their stadium's a little bit more expensive, but, even up in the upper deck, the tickets, the seats were nice. And then, like, you're with the, you know, you're with the blue-collar guys and yeah, like that. So, yeah. it's just – it was really – it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, I would say Philly is intense. I mean, there's – they live up to – I saw a Philly Ranger game, and Philly's intense. They live up to it. Boston is incredible atmosphere. I've seen the Kings there a couple of times. I don't know if you remember that Kopi pulled the Forsberg Forsberg shoot uncle on Tim Thomas I was probably eight rows behind watching that I was almost sure so there's that one's been good in Buffalo I mean I've been to a lot of Buffalo games I always go watch the Kings That's you know I live an hour and a half away and when they're good it is rocking that place it is a hockey town but they just haven't been good in so long that it's kind of the dead zone, but it's it's a fun place to go when the games when the team's good and and they're buzzing. It's it's a fun atmosphere.
0: Yeah, I think I think for me, like the number one, like goal for, you know, obviously would be to see a Stanley Cup clincher. You know, and like and like do that. But I I think for me, just in general, like obviously, you know, Joe can see it. If you guys are not listening or you know not watching on YouTube, if you guys are just listening, there's a map of the world behind my head you know, like you, where you like kind of scratch off the countries. And I'd love to go see, you know, world hockey, world championship tournament, you know, somewhere. Or I know the Olympic games are a little harder to get uh, tickets to, but the the world hockey tournament, and especially if it was overseas somewhere like next year, it's supposed to be, or this year it was in Latvia. And obviously like with the COVID protocols, it was kind of locked down, but hopefully next year, uh, it's going to be in Finland. Like that would be super fun. Like go to a country you've never been to especially countries that, like, hockey is their number one sport.
1: Yep.
0: You know, you're seeing a game in Sweden. You're seeing a game in Finland or, you know, Russia or whatever. And, like, the fans, most of those countries, most of the fans speak English, too. So, like, you would be able to, like, get all that culture, all that new food, bond over hockey, and then be able to cheer on the red, white, and blue and watch the USA yeah. try to dominate, you know?
1: That would be – I mean, that's that's a dream for me on, a, on in multiple sports, frankly, to
0: see – in Olympics or like a,
1: I'm a big soccer guy, see a world cup or something like that. But one, I will say one cup final game I went to uh, my, so for my dad's a Bruins fan and the year they won the cup, you know, we all kind of pitched in for father's day and got them tickets to the game. And I went with them and we were literally like back. You could touch the, we were in the last possible row. They we were playing Vancouver. Boston was down to nothing in the series. And the first period I think was zero, zero after one. And then it just all hell broke loose. I think Boston won the game like seven to one or seven to two. Tim Thomas was pushing the to Dean's. It was, it was nuts, but it was an absolute blast. So really
0: cool atmosphere to be at, at
1: a cup final game. That was awesome.
0: Yeah. I, I would love that kind of stuff. And I just, you know, I want to go see more things. I want to get more involved in the culture. And I think, you know, seeing it abroad or seeing a final or obviously yeah, any, yeah. anything and anything in the playoffs would be nice. And, you know, Hopefully that that ends up happening. I'm just excited to see hockey again. So that it's less than Seriously. it's like a little over a month away. Family's coming out, you know, get a dust off the jersey and and uh, <laughs> and wear it. I think I'll probably go with the black.
1: Say, what's your go to?
0: Kopitar is my favorite player, just because he's been the most dominant since I've been there, and I just like his game. I like players that not only handle it in their own ice, but you know they're relied upon in every situation, and they usually come to come to the bell, you know, and, and rise to the occasion. And so yep. um, you know, he's always been one of my favorites. I don't have a brown jersey. I think I might get a brown jersey this year. I know they're supposed to have a new alternate this year. And before he retires, maybe get a brown jersey just so I have it. Like he was so dominant in that 12 run and has been a long time there. He'll have his number retired. And I think, you know, to have that and and maybe the alternate would be kind of a cool montage of maybe what could be his last season. Uh, as a king, and so just it would be something that would be kind of cool. What about you? What's your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite jersey?
1: Uh, I would say I got a purple Kopitar, um, and I'm am like I I love the purple and, and and gold, big big fan of them. And my one of the first jerseys I ever had was one of the the golds, Luke Robitaille. So that's kind of my my staple. But I got a Kopitar. I've got a Kopitar Black. Um, so th- I would say it's probably either the Kopitar Black or the Robitaille Yellow. Yeah. That, uh, that does it does I actually went. So Brown is from Ithaca, which is not too far from where I am either. And my buddy had a connection, and I actually um, I got a chance to get a picture with him in the cup when he brought it to Ithaca, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. So that was cool. And Fun fact: I played against him. Here's my here's claim to fame. Played against him. My dad who was the coach. Thought it was a great idea for me to shadow him. I took two penalties. He had a hat trick. Did not. So that did not go so well.
0: Invaluable <laughs> lesson for you. <laughs> so, I'm doing
1: a podcast here in Hocker Royalty in my basement, and he's prepping for training camp. <laughs> and
0: say about equal skill for there, you know, I'm just equal skill. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. I think, uh, I think that'd be kind of crazy. I, I played baseball against some pro athletes before and, and it's just kind of crazy how you're like, man, you just like, Oh yeah, I got, I almost got this guy, <laughs> like, <laughs> but he did hit a home run off me. You know, like, I remember uh, I played in a men's league down in San Diego. This was after my career and Steve Finley just happened to show up to like the top end men's league and the first at bat, I threw like, uh, I just like, okay, I'm going to, I know he could probably hit it away because I'm only throwing 82, but I, I'm going to stay away from his wheelhouse. The fence at right field is like 280. Like if he hit a pop fly, that could be out of here. And like, he just stepped almost like r- an inch away from the plate and pulled that outside pitch over the fence. And I, it was just like, well, he's played over, you know, ha- thousands of games or whatever. So like, I, I can't like really be too mad at that.
1: You can put that one on here. Put that one in your cap. You got a home run. Steve Finley hit a home run off.
0: Yeah, there yeah. you go. So, <laughs> oh, man. So we got games coming up. Uh, we got the rookie tournament coming in. Uh, just for remember, you guys can all, I think uh, what they said is that no matter who is the Kings are playing, they're going to show it on their website. And I believe the team that they're playing is also going to show it on their website. So for some reason, one team is having a problem or something like that. It should be On all those, there's going to be, uh, you know, several games and you're going to be able to see all these guys. And so, uh, you know, some some previous players, some high end draft picks, some invites, um, some guys that played on the OH, uh, the AHL last year. You know, so you're going to see a new look at them and and um, and and all those kind of things. I know we talked about some of the new toys, but we could potentially see one of the top lines from last year for the rain which would be Byfield at center, Turcotte on left wing, and Kaliev, who likes to play on his off wing because he likes to pit, do that little toe and drag to the center of the ice and, and then release that wrister. Potent first line for us. What do you think about that to start the season, as potentially we could see it to start the season in A this year, and we saw it a little bit, and it worked quite well last year.
1: I'm so torn on that because the more and more and more I get into this offseason, the more and more and I, I want Arthur Kaliev to make the roster in los angeles i mean and listen my field too for that matter i suppose but it just seems like and I actually you know scott at hockey royalty has made a couple of good points i think i agree that you know i i don't know what much i don't know how much more a year in the ahl i mean it's not going to hurt him arthur kelly up to work on his two-way game a little bit more but for a team that was is just anemic at five on five scoring Um, and I've been saying it for a while, and maybe I'm in the minority here, maybe people think that the Kings top six looks really good, I don't, Um, and I think they need that guy, they need that pure sniper on the wing, with probably Kopitar, but you know, again, we've seen Deneau's playmaking ability five on five is really, really good, so I think that's a guy that needs to be inserted into that top six, and now if you have him on one of the lines, and Arvidson, who's been a proven, I know it's been a few years, but he's been a guy that's pushed 30 goals, scored 30 goals, and we hope that he pushes it this year. That's a lot of goals, potentially, that we didn't have a year ago. Kings didn't have a year ago. So it would be extremely exciting to see them play together as a line, again, um, in the AHL. But the more and more I'm thinking about this offseason, I'm I'm hoping Kaliev's the guy that gets the call, I'll be honest, because I think they're desperately missing that guy.
0: Yeah, like kind of to react to two points that you made, I think I think it's going to be nice to see um, them as a line for multiple reasons. Maybe not to start the AHL, just in this tournament. One,
1: yeah, yeah. One, one,
0: one, one, Turcott would dominate the one day that he was at the, yep. the first camp and then had to have the surgery. Mm-hmm. Byfield, you know, his feet and everything like that were giving him fits. And so they, you know, it was just, a couple days on the ice, something that's not really important, but now they're playing against guys that other first round picks they're playing against other people who are the, 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 their team's top prospects. And so it's kind of like a little, like, uh, like where are they at compared to them? Like everybody's saying Turcotte made huge strides. Um, You know, so like where are they at in there? And then, you know, I personally want to see, does you know? Does Byfield look like he's dominating people out there, which he should? Like if he's going to be our third C, he should be dominating, especially with another first round pick and Kaliev who should have been a first round pick that slipped in the second yeah. round. That line should be dominating people for the whole tournament, and like that's that's what I want to see. I want to see them handle their own business.
1: You know what's what's I like about that line too is they all they all bring a little bit something. Differently. I think they all complement each other very well. I mean, you look at the wheels that Turcotte has. He's got just he's got great speed, really good hands, kind of electric type of, of offensive player. Byfield is that big, just again, obviously, we're saying this as if it all happens, but that big, Andre Kopitar esque, just dominant 200 foot centerman um, that's just your anchor up and down the ice. And then you have your sniper in Calia they all do things a little bit differently um which I so I don't think it's too much of a surprise that they kind of blend together really really well so yeah I mean obviously I was jumping a little ahead there but in this tournament man it's I think I completely agree that you hope to see them like this is a line that you expect they had some time together last year I I hope that they dominate I mean they they had time together last year at the AHL level that you know, you hope that that's enough that in, a, in a game setting, kind of this type of tournament like this, that they're able to really show that they're ahead of their competition.
0: Yeah, I think you look at like uh, they're playing Arizona, Vegas, and I think Colorado and uh, Arizona and, and Vegas don't really have the prospect pools that we have. Uh, Colorado has a couple guys that are, are really high end, but are they going to – I didn't look at their roster if they're even bringing those guys like Bowen Byron who played for Colorado last year. Like, is he even going – so it's like the competition you know there is going to be higher end prospects there but our prospect pool should be better we have a lot of guys that were like in the top 50 for the athletic and so like i just think that well i think the whole line was in the top 50 for the athletic so i think you know like that line should dominate and then you just want to see them take that stride like i want to see i want to see turcott build some confidence going into camp cuz if you ultimately want byfield turcott or kaliev or cupari like go into camp and take a spot like this is a this is a nice step it's not like the end all to be all because the camp's going to play right. a big part but like right. three games what if you know what if turkot puts up four points in three games you know what i mean and like looks really good plays solid defense has that confidence after the surgery and it's like man like i could make the squad you know yeah. like or, or you know you see on the power play Kaliev puts two one timers top shelf and he's like man dude my shot is sizzling right now you know what i mean like that's yeah. the kind of stuff that leads into camp and builds momentum and as you know with playing sports it's a lot of confidence right and you're looking at guys that that in the you know they'll probably never say it but it's like Byfield probably wished he had a better showing at the world juniors last year I mean he did have six points all in the one game but he's like man I wish I could have you know done better I I know Turcotte played well but then had that injury I think and you know had that stuff going on at Wisconsin so like having the confidence to come in now, and then, like, put, like, some good good ice minutes in a situation where they should, like, it could be the, just what they need to come into camp and, and take one of those spots. Now, as far as them doing so, like what you said, I think there's already a lot of turnover in this roster, and so you could take that in one of two ways, right? You could say, hey, let this, let's put these guys down in the eighth right now. We have a lot of these extra forward spots. We're already bringing in Arvidsson. We're bringing in Dano, We're bringing in Thatchkev. We're seeing where all these lines build out. Like there's already so many puzzle pieces moving. Like why do we need more and more puzzle pieces at this moment? Let's play 15 games or whatever to start the season. Mm -hmm. If it's not working, we can always bring these guys up, right? Or you say the other way, the other way you look at it is like, hey, there's already enough, there's puzzle pieces moving around everywhere. Let's just throw in all the puzzle pieces and let's just build it from the beginning. And, you know, if, if Caliev's better, Caliev's better.
1: The talk this offseason from the Kings, from Rob Blake, has been playoffs, right? That's what he's been saying. They want to start to be a team that's contending for the playoffs and look to make the playoffs. If, if they think that, you know, Adrian Kempé is going to produce at a top six level, okay? If you think Alex Ayafalo is going to produce at a top six level, Dustin Brown is going to produce at a top six level, I think to expect all three, I think is very wishful thinking. Um, you know, that's not to say that Kalyev's going to come right in and do it, but those guys just where they are in their, you know, Brown at the tail end of his career. Ayafalo is a, a bit more on the defensive side of things and Kempe, we've all been waiting for the consistency and it just hasn't come. And none of them are, pu- are, are what Kaliev is anyways. None of them are that pure shooter, I mean, it's, it's, it's a piece that I just think that they really could use in the lineup. So, but, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me, obviously, if they, if they end up just kind of playing it a little bit slower. But the reason I'm kind of getting, getting the itch a little bit is, hey, if we're going to be talking about playoffs, then we got to really start thinking about maybe doing some things a little bit differently and, and taking some chances. Because, you know, what do you have to lose? If you think about it, they've been one of the bottom teams in the league for, a few years now. So trotting out, you know, and I know we've added to the top six with Arvids and Vanell, but trotting out some of the other guys that, that have they really produced at the top six level, or can we is it really fair to expect Dustin Brown to produce at the top six level as he's 37 years old? Is that fair? You know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, at some point it's going to not happen. So you have to be prepared for that. And, and I you know, I would rather be on the side of we're moving him down maybe a year early than a year late.
0: Yeah, I think, um, I you know, I, I've been saying like I the best player should play, but I don't have I don't have any like, qualms with them saying like, OK, let's start the season with the guys that we have. Unless like somebody just blows somebody out of the water at camp, sure. you know, I like, can just say, hey, let's start with the guys we have. Let's see. Let's see if we can get some jam <laughs> working you know, Lee Sanderson had a good finish to the last year. Trevor Moore earned a contract. You have all these guys that are mm-hmm. uh you know, where is Thatchkev going to sit? You have where's right. Artson or is he going to be on the first or second line? And just kind of figure out some of those questions and then be like, okay, what is working right now? Okay, do we really do we need that Kalilov scorer? Um is do we really think that is more of a winger? Do we want to bring up Byfield? You know what I mean? And and then go from yep. there. Cuz like I said, I think once you bring Byfield up, he should stay up like that's the kind of yeah. how I feel about it, you know, and, and I, don't, I don't see anything wrong with waiting 10 games. Now, the selfish part of me seeing them in Dallas, I'd like to see him to start the season. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, I don't see anything wrong with it now because I think there's so many what ifs, right? There's a lot of things like, OK, if Dano plays better and he takes a lot of the defensive zone faceoffs that normally Kopitar would take because he's a selkie candidate and Kopitar can feel free to play more of his offensive game. Does he go from a seventy to eighty point player to a ninety ninety five point player? Does Arvidsson help him in that in that get him up, get him above ninety points again? Um, you know, I really think that he likes playing with Iafalo, and I wouldn't mind that. Like if he's focusing oh, wow. more in his offense, Iafalo can be the guy in the boards to go mm-hmm. dig all that stuff out and and play the the tough role of you know fishing the puck and back checking and forechecking and all that. Like I wouldn't mind that. I also wouldn't mind him you know, playing, uh, with Dano, but then I'm like, okay, you got two defensive guys there. Like, where's more of the offensive jam. So it just depends. And, and I think they're going to throw those guys around. I really would like to see from a, from, from what your point is saying is like, who are our best dynamic offensive players. And obviously we haven't seen him yet, but Vladimir Thatchkev is. Victor Arvidson is, uh, you know, Deneau is one of the best assist guys on the market, obviously Kopitar, so like, can we find, you know, we hear coaches about the sale of time, like, okay, a line doesn't need to work, but I just need to find a good pair. And then all you need to do with the pairs jamming, then you just filter in that third until you get a whole line to click. Right. So first find a pair that are clicking and then find that, that last piece, not try to move the whole line around. So like, you know, if, if, if Arvidson clicks better with the no, then that's fine. The second line plays just as many minutes, the first line except for special teams and stuff like that. And Victor Arvidsson should be on the power play. And so then then you go, okay, then we need a score on the top line. Is that going to be Fashkev? Like he played top line minutes in Russia. So like yep. I, I think there's just a lot of things going around there. Like there what, what do you feel, or do you feel it's like, hey, they just need Kaliev. he could play third line minutes where he's not a defensive liability, put him on the power play and let, let this guy just rocket some pucks and we'll deal with his defense.
1: So here's, here's kind of what I'd like to see, if, if, if I'm being honest. Like, so let's, we all know Gabe Velarde is going to be a winger. He has to be. It's kopitar know byfield at some point this season. Okay, yeah. so let's yeah. just do it right away. So yeah. what would be – you have a, 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 a player who's transitioning to the wing. In theory, you'd also have Byfield who's now going to get his – he's going to get thrown into the fire as third-line center. I mean, a, a veteran good – two-way, but especially defensive winger and Ayafalo with those two, I think would be a really solid third line. And you can put Cal, you can keep that pair of Kopitar and Brown together. They played together for so long and you can have Kaliev play with Kopi and Brown. Brown can play both wings effectively. And I think then you have, if you want to stick with campaign, give him that shot, which you know, I'm not saying he hasn't deserve, doesn't deserve the look, I guess, if, if this is how you want to play it. And then you've got your Arvidsson, Dano, and Kempe line. I think that's an interesting way for me. And again, we, who knows how they've got things penciled out, but I would love to see something like that. It's different. It's fresh. It's new. It's an influx of talent. And I think it slots guys a little bit better. I mean, I have follow, I, Again, me saying that I don't know if he's going to produce at a top six you know, level doesn't mean I dislike the player. I'm a big fan of his. But for a team that's just really desperate for five-on-five five scoring, I would love to see him see if he can kind of help guide Velarde and Byfield along be that kind of veteran guy on that third line and let Kaliev see if he can become a sniper on the top line. That's that's kind of where I would like to see it. He's a player that the Kings don't have. We don't have Arthur Kaliev.
0: Yeah, I thought I – I saw about that. And I talked to my brothers a little bit about it too, and I think uh... – we kind of were thrown around line combinations like we're doing now, and uh, I, I mean, we were kind of going about. It. I was like, you know, who has some good jam that was a little bit injured, and maybe could be an underrated guy would be Athens CU, and like he's got that speed. You know, Byfield can keep up with him for the most part, and then you have that veteran in uh, Athens CU and Brown. You know, winging Byfield, mm-hmm. so I th- I thought that was kind of interesting because he does. You know, CU has that story There's, just, touch. So
1: there's
0: yeah. just so many bodies,
1: and and you know at both levels in the, in the NHL and the AHL. Cause there's just, there's so many, I mean, we're going to have to wait till some of the dust settles.
0: Yeah. So going into maybe potential second lines here, you know, just kind of looking at this roster here uh, you have uh, you know, you have Pinelli who balled out uh, at camp. You have Tyler Madden who showed out really well, Martin Kromiak, who a lot of people say that he was the fastest guy on the ice and you have Samuel fagamo. So Uh, and Rasmus Kupari so like the second line you know could be a little bit of mix there I I tend to lean maybe Kupari and kind of see what pinelli can do and then maybe put Fagamo or Madden on the other side or have Madden uh, center the third line
1: I'd love to see Peneli just play with a guy like Kupari I think that would be fun to watch just to see how the skill blends together Um, yeah Madden Madden I'm was one of the guys that I'm, I'm most interested in watching the rest of this off season too, just because, you know, he's had a little rough luck, right? He had the, he had the injuries he had last year. He had a finger surgery also. And I think he's trying to, he's got to start to establish himself somewhere. And I think he can, um, you know, but I don't know. I, I think he's got to figure out what his identity is going to be, because I don't know that it's going to be in a, in a top six role, uh at the nhl level so how he looks here and so i'm not necessarily looking for him to like light the lamp or anything here because i don't think that's his game it's going to be the the translate to the nhl level i think he's a guy that can be a like a really solid third slash bottom six maybe can spot in in the middle uh if if need be but i I think he that's going to kind of be where his game evolves to he's smart he's got a good release good shot um but I, I think he I think that's where he's gonna settle. So I wanna see how he looks kind of in that type of role, Madden that is, um, in in this weekend's camp, or excuse me, in this weekend's tournament. Yeah. And, and as far as that yeah. second line, I mean, like I said, Kapari, I'd love to see him paired with, with Pinelli. I like to see Capari and Fagmore together. I think that's a good duo. So some really exciting options there to see how they do there.
0: You know, what would be kind of interesting is like Pinelli's played center his whole life. Um, he said he can play wing, but he's pretty much played center his whole life. And everything out of the, the rookie session that they had said that he made all the right plays all the time. And mm-hmm. it was something that it's like it, the scouting report by a lot of people outside the Kings who thought very mm-hmm. highly of him didn't really match up with what they were saying. He was pretty much dominant, had a phenomenal shot, made the passes when he need to, made the shots when he need to. I wouldn't be opposed to him centering the third line and he was a driver at that camp and see if he can drive in a in a real you know atmosphere with guys like Chromiak and maybe you know you put uh, uh like a let's see you know, maybe you do Chromiak and uh Madden or Chromiak and Fama, Fagamo and just kind of see put a shooter or he is the be- he's a good shooter maybe put a facilitator like Aiden Dudas that has some 200 foot game that will that's a pest and could set him up I think that'd be interesting to see if the second round guy has that center skills that you hope that he would have and not just assuming that he'll play wing based on who we have in the organization.
1: Yeah. And you can put him in and it's a game situation, obviously, in these, in these tournaments. uh, And, but it's at the same time, especially for a player like that, where the expectations right off the hop aren't necessarily that high. It's a little bit of a lower pressure. You could say, yeah, I guess it's easy for me to say sitting in my basement, but um, you can, yeah, you can kind of see a little bit of what you got. Uh, a player that, that I'm going to throw, uh, throw out at you that I did a preview on and just kind of doing a little bit of digging, really, give, I, think there's a, I think there's something there. Um, although he's coming off a shocker, another rain forward coming off an injury. Um, Johan Sodergren is a guy that I think has a legitimate chance to be like a third line NHL player. Like I mentioned that with Madden, but I think Sodergren's better suited for it. He already has that, that relentless on the forecheck will be first on the back check. He's a, he's a big body at six, three. Uh, he's a winger that loves to shoot, but he's not a perimeter player. He's going to be playing the middle of the ice. He's going to go to the dirty areas. He's very smart. He'll he'll go to the middle of the ice uh, after he makes a dish. He'll dish the puck. He'll go to the, go to the slot area. Like he, he knows where to go without the puck. He knows where to go to draw defenders. I think he's a smart player. I think he shoots the puck a lot. I think he's a winger. That is obviously something that the organization kind of uh, is in need of too. But I, I think it, with his size and he's got some, some ability too, I want to see how he looks coming off his his injuries. Um, you know, he had a he, his first year in North America and was a couple of years ago with the rain and then was probably set to come back. But with the pandemic, he ended up staying in Sweden. They loaned him to Sweden, so he played out there. Then he got hurt. So it's been really, really rough for him. Um, so I just want to see, you know, where his development is at this point after the injury and then missing, not being able to come back to North American play. But he's a player that he's probably a, at least a year away. But I think there's a third line future here for Sotogran.
0: Yeah, I wonder. You know, I wonder what they're going to end up doing with him. I know he's sixth round pick. Um, came over here last year. Was supposed to play in the AHL. <laughs> um they have him on loan you know with hockey albanskin a little bit uh last year um you know before the injury so you know Mm. i don't know if they went back and forth what they planned for him to come in but yeah like having a bigger body like a lot we have a lot of these small skill guys uh, other than you know byfield is bigger and skilled but you know they've been drafting helenius you got uh uh uh, the the guy that's what six seven uh nakita yeah the 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 young giraffe and and so like you have these bigger guys and like you need those you know by the three Stanley three-time Stanley Cup champion Pat Maroon like you need those physical guys as well as the skillful guys and and you want to see where he is um you know after the injury I don't know how yeah. I don't know how uh if he's 100% healed I know he played in the r- little rookie or if he's not um or if they're just inviting him to get uh some practice time and see if he can play but it'd be interesting to see how he slots in, and you know how much jam he has after the injury. Like, where is his? Yeah, you know, where's the? Rust part of his
1: game. It was a part of his game. Like, he wasn't just this pure finesse winger by any means. He's very physical. He loves to get after it, and so you want to see, like you said, coming off a back injury, how is that? How is that still? you I mean, he's he's checking in at six three two zero five. So he's willing to go to those areas and play a physical game, but also be somebody that he has talent. He's got a, a hockey brain and he's got talent. So I, you know, I don't know that the ceiling is necessarily super high in terms of like a top six winger, but you know, not everybody can be a top six winger. You have to have the the style of play that can they can play up and down a lineup. And I think Sodergran has that. So I'm, I'm really excited about watching him um, this weekend and, and in uh, the camp and then, we'll see what happens and, and what they decide to do with him for the upcoming season. But hopefully it's with the rain, because he's, um, he's going to be an interesting prospect. So I, I actually, in the piece I did with that, I asked, I had some questions for Sixton Funquist uh, the, the writer over in Sweden. And he thinks, you know, obviously the back injury is a, is a question mark and how he responds from it. But with how physical he is, he's a big body and he has offensive ability that he thinks he's, you know, he's a potential NHL player, 22, 23 season. So So um, it, it's an interesting player.
0: Yeah. It was how much, how much roster turnover we have. And then, you know, you don't really know the development from year to year. It is interesting yep. to see who's going to slot in because ideally you don't want to spend money for a bottom six guy. You'd like to have some of our prospects come in and take those next season. And so, um, you know, that he's a definitely an, an interesting one there. I kinda like that. I kinda like that to where a uh, lower a lower uh end uh lower round draft pick, not end lower round draft pick. Um, you know, similar to some one guy that's you know not coming to camp but has scored his first Liga goal today at two Jamson, right? Coming back Love from that. injury, like we said, yeah. got the goal in the apple. So he's a seventh round pick that and it. he's showing a lot of showing a lot of swag out there. And it'd be nice like when when you get those Guys that you don't have any expectations for, like when Matt Roy came out of nowhere, or you sign a guy from college and he has a phenomenal—he's um, been phenomenal between the pipes and Cal Peterson. Like those are the jumps that level your team up, right? Because you know, obviously, you want your—we we, we want Quentin Byfield to play a thousand games, we want Turkot to play a thousand games, but during those thousand games, they are going to have many teammates that only play ninety-nine play you know 50 here 100 here 200 here and you still need those you know those guys like Trevor Lewis <laughs> like Kyle Clifford like sure. you know like those guys to to help win championships that come in and are part of your team for two or three seasons and Johan has something that not a lot of our uh higher end prospects have or even on the rain like he has that that grit you know moment was that guy and he could have that grit and have that scoring touch and and yeah, be a bigger body because you can't just have think, to – you just can't have look, a small sorry, small I, all I, the all the time. No, you're fine.
1: Right. And, I, and I, think that, I think that maybe one of the bigger things that I – and I'll leave it with this and see what you think. But like I talked about how Tyler Madden who used to being kind of that – not that he doesn't play with that edge to his game, but it's probably – it's a little bit tougher at 5'11", 155, that he's going to have to learn to adapt and play a little bit of a different role maybe than he did in college where I think Sodergrant's already playing that game. You know, yeah. He's playing against men over in Sweden. He's playing that physical style. He's physically a, a, a more mature body that I think he, is, he doesn't have to necessarily change anything in his game to still be an effective third-line player where I think Tyler Madden may still have some adapting to do, and it could even involve the position switch. So that's, that's, that's kind of where I'm going with that, with, with Sodergrant.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting. It kind of reminds me of uh, something that uh, one of my coaches told me, and he said, like, you know, sometimes you have that one elite trait, and instead of trying to work on all the stuff that you're really bad at, just make you're already elite at this thing. Be more elite at it, because that's going to be your in your ticket into getting ice time. And you know, when you listen to like Unetti's talk and everything about these later (laughs) round draft picks, he's saying, hey, we're going to get this guy. Is going to have, uh, you know, hopefully one elite trait. He needs work at everything else or he has, you know, two above-average traits, and, like, that trait is going to be the thing that gets him to to the league. Like, you look at Atu Jamson, his trait is, like, his playmaking in his hands is, is ridiculous <clears throat> for something around yeah. pick. He needs to work on his skating, he needs to work on his physicality, his size, and everything like that. So, like, those players, yeah, take longer to gestate, but they have one elite trait, and with Sodergran, it's, like, his grit and his hockey IQ is what's going to, could get him to be a third, fourth-line player for, you know, over 99 games, over 200 games, and if you just kept consistently work on that consistently work on the back check, you know, being that grit yep. guy and, and, and defensively be sound all the time, you know, that could lead to being in situations and earning ice time on the PK to make you help you crack that lineup.
1: Yep. There's a, there's a 32nd piece in the, in the clip in the piece I did on him and this was from a few years ago, but if he's doing those type of things at that age, like he's not performing as if he's above the level or he's, first and on check, first and on back check, creating turnovers, leading to goals. He's doing those little things at that age, at that level overseas. How it translates, we'll see. And he's coming off an injury, so we'll see. But there's so many parts of this game that I think are already there that it's, again, interesting player.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I think other players that come to mind with those kind of... Uh, <laughs> the, you know, those kind of abilities in the, in the you know, Unetti said it for this draft was uh, uh, Karel Karasanov. He said like, you know, he's already a, a pro player over in Russia and like his, what makes him a good player, he's already very good at it. And so he wouldn't be surprised if they saw Kirill before Brant Clark, before Francisco, because he's going to be a shutdown defender. And he already does that really well. They're not going to rely on him for offensive support. They're going to rely on him to be a juggernaut on the defensive end. And he's already really good at that. So they could see him potentially being over here playing higher minutes earlier than when a higher end prospect because what they're going to be relied on at the NHL level, they're already good at.
1: And that's, you probably just summarized where I was trying to say with Sodergren is where he's going to be slotted in at, at the NHL level is probably, he's probably slotted in as a bottom six anyway. So, it's not as if they need him to do anything much more than he's doing, to your point. Um, yeah, and these guys that are playing in pro leagues overseas, like they may be already doing some of those things. So maybe in their development for where the team sees them, they're a little bit further ahead. Yeah, I think that's a good point.
0: Yeah, I would have liked to see Kareel come over. I know, like, getting players over for Russia for a three game tournament really isn't ideal. Um, but, you know, we'll keep a good eye on him this year. Uh, and yep. see where he kind of slots out. You know, speaking of defensemen, though, we got some notable ones coming over, some high-end draft picks and some, you know, defensemen of the year with Jordan Jordan Spence and the high-end draft pick being uh, Brent Clark and Helgi Granz are both coming over. Um, obviously, everybody's beaming about Brent Clark because, you know, he's making play after play and this rookie little, uh, you know, scrimmages they had over there and uh, the camp session. He's beaming in every single interview, And then, like, you know, when you talk about defensemen that really uh, are able to take over a game offensively, you know, like the Kale McCars of the world and everything like that, like, you as a fan can't help but extrapolate what that could be or could mean for your team, Um, you know. But I'm, you know, as much as I am, you know, super excited about Brent Clark, I'm most interested in Helgi. And you know, second round pick, a lot of people, uh, or not a lot, but there were some second round saying that he's, you know, a Rasmus Thalene light. Um, he barely missed the world junior team, you know, that had a stout defenseman core by one person. I think they literally cut him at the airport and, you know, it was just kind of sad to see that go up and everything like that. And having him already have played pro in Sweden coming over here, um, you know, playing probably on the right side, I, you know, um, and playing against guys that are, you know, at his age group when he's used to playing against men, seeing like how, where is he at in his advancement? Does he show that offensive skill that he's supposed to have? Um, Is he going to be able to get some power play time? Like, where do you kind of see him at? And like, because he could play, he could start on the third line for the reign and and work his way up because he does have that talent. So what do you see from him? in your eyes and like what what's most intriguing to you about him
1: that's you know it, it, that's a really good uh question because I'm wondering that myself and I've done some some previews on a couple of the rain defensemen already in Austin Strand um and Sean Dersey. and I actually just did uh, Jordan Spence gonna be coming out tomorrow and Helgi Grant is is coming up next too um probably within the next week or so so i'm trying to see where does he fit because the right side of the king's defense group is pretty clogged um there's a lot of bodies there and and where are they all going to fit and i want to see this is going to be a big weekend tournament for for Helge. and i haven't in, in fairness haven't had i'll be interested and fun to do a, a kind of a deeper dive on him uh when it comes time to do his preview because I haven't had a, a chance to have a really long extended look at some of his, his tape and some of his games um, to see how he slots. But for me, I think, um, I, I, I think the rain will probably start off with something like, a you know, in, pick your order, but Jersey and strand, I think at this point, probably have quote unquote earned, they're going to probably be in that those top four role mix at least. And you know you could see Grands and Spence kind of battling it out for that third slot.
0: Third spot. I think right I side. think they'll probably I think they'll probably slot together. I think one person will have to it play that position. Too. Yeah, because yep. you don't it want like too. you said, you want to get your draft picks enough, enough time. And I just yep. think with him, with him being you know a point per game player in the U twenty Super Elite League, and then <clears> playing in the SHL last year and having twelve points in forty three games, you know had a good season for a young kid. Um up there and, and playing for Malmo. And so you got you got that opportunity for him to play some big minutes. And on this on this squad, you'll probably have Jersey Phillips for the tournament. You'll probably have Jersey Phillips there, kind of have that veteran, you yep. know, going on there. Then you probably have Brant Clark with either maybe Jordan Spence will play the left side or maybe they'll see if Brant Clark wants to play the left. But you know, then you have Helgi Grans and you know a couple of camp invitees. So You know, will he, if he's paired by himself or if he's really by himself with a camp invitee, does he look way better than that other player? Is he able, does he show out and show that he has been kind of under the radar because he's been in Europe? And, you know, most of our high-end prospects as of late have been Canadians or Americans. Mm -hmm. So like, is he like not really getting that that um, hub that you would normally get? if he was over here for, for the American fans, that's kind of my thing. Like, obviously I'd love to see Brant Clark show out and see his, his offensive expertise. Um, but being that we're going to be covering the rain and all that, I kind of want to see what, what Helge has to offer. And if he can make that, if I think he can make that push up the lineup this year.
1: Yeah, me too. And, and it's, it's, like I said, it's going to be competitive particularly on that right side. So. Um, we'll see how it all ends up shaking out, and if one of those guys does end up moving on and playing playing on the left side, because it's they're starting to build up that defense group, right? Aren't they? You know, they've got they, they drafted Clark, Bronze is a year closer now, uh, Spence is coming in. Uh, I, I'm. You're probably going to have to like. we're just going to put it out there right now to so you. You're it's going to be your job because the the people that listen to the show are probably going to get sick of hearing it, but I have a
0: feeling. Oh, Rob Blake um, and listens gonna, and he's going to hear okay, this. Okay, so okay. Let's, let's okay. just throw it out there.
1: I have a feeling I'm going to be like a Sean derzy Homer, like all season. I can see that happening. He's the type of guy that I gravitate toward as a defenseman, um, kind of more modern day, not, not tiny, but smaller, but skates so well, moves the puck so well. Can quarterback a power play, smooth skater. Like, I'm, I'm really excited about what he brings, and I think he's kind of flying a little bit under the radar right now because
0: yeah, he's definitely an afterthought uh, of that Toronto trade,
1: right? Yeah, because because yeah, he
0: is. because Grunsurm's already been playing with the Kings, right? So like he yeah. just kind of been that afterthought of that trade.
1: Well, he he has been, I, and I think he had a pretty good run last year, and yeah, thirty
0: nine points, four goals, sixteen assists for uh, or. Uh games played, sorry. Thirty-nine games played, four goals, sixteen assists for twenty points. So like and
1: I'm seasons. pretty sure he led the league. excuse me, led the um Kings, excuse me, the Kings, the Reign in power play assists. Um and he was in the top ten in assists overall for defensemen. This is a legitimate playmaker. He can skate well. So you know, I'm I'm not necessarily necessarily looking forward for this weekend, but just where a guy like Helge Grants and Jordan Spence where do they slot in because I know Austin Strand's not going to be there this weekend but he's still, he's probably going to play for the rain this year so he's in there too he's in that mix so these there's there's bodies there you know whether Strand is a future guy in, in the King's eyes perhaps I doubt it but he's here right now and he's somebody that guys like Spence and Grants are going to have to beat out right to win a job
0: yeah I think, uh, you know, with Dursey being the oldest player at this tournament, it looks like besides uh, one of the goalies um, from my quick glance here, you know, you want to see that veteran leadership. You want to see him out there, you know, quarterback in the defense. And part of our five on five struggles as the Kings and, you know, as the rain have been, you know, getting that help from the defense, you know, like we didn't really have Drew. daddy was the only person's really scoring. Sean Walker came on towards the end of the season. So, where where are we going to get some of that five on five push, that five on five jam, coming up the uh, coming from the backside, of the blue line? You know, it's going to be from some of these guys. And you know, if Dursey shows up this year, you might see him come up and be that seventh rotational guy next year. And you know, he has that you know something to to earn because you know he was a um, you know he was acquired from Toronto, I believe he was still a high pick. I think sec- another second round pick, right? A second and,
1: round pick, yeah.
0: So like he has some jam too. It's the same thing with like Kale Clay. Like well, he's a lot of these second yes. round guys. Second round guys. Brock Faber's a second round guy, even though he's not coming out of this tournament. He's going to college. Another one, right? So he's like you have a lot of these second round defensemen coming in that are good players. You know, and they say Arp sh- sharpens iron, but you know where does Jersey mm-hmm. fit in? And I think maybe it just took him a little bit longer to get his speed underneath him, and maybe he'll have another juggernaut offensive season. It'd be nice to see that.
1: Yeah, I mean he's still only twenty two years old too. So you know, and and. At, at, again, he's not a tiny defenseman at six foot, 185, but he's certainly not big by any means. But when you skate like he does, um, you know, you can, you can hide a lot of that stuff. So for me, what I want to see with, we'll say Dursey, since we're talking about him, is he's a really good playmaker. He skates very well. He can quarterback a power play. I want to see how he is, and I noted this in the piece, specifically in transition. the the transition from as the play shifts from offense to defense and he's got pro guys skating at him i think that's where i want to see how he handles like i envision like and maybe this is a little unfair he's one of the best players in the league but like as much as i like sean derzy he's not ready to have like nathan mckinnon coming down on him yet right these these elite these these high end high pace powerful skaters in the nhl like i want to see him develop this year to be able to to handle an NHL winger coming down on him at, at speed in transition because I think that's where part of his game could be uh, to be improved. But a lot to like there with him going forward.
0: So with you just doing the Jordan Spence beats, like what was your biggest takeaways from that? Like what do you really like about his game? And and where do you think that that translates into the NHL level eventually?
1: So, you know, I, I was like really – it was a tough one because I'm trying to figure out just that like, where where do I see him slot in and the biggest thing I had in watching some videos like man I don't know maybe I'm wrong here maybe I'm missing something I don't see he is not anywhere near ready from a skating standpoint in my non professional opinion um and I actually been looking there's, there's some, you know, Corey Priman noted that in his, in his athletic piece, he had uh, him at the bottom of his uh, uh, article there of the, the
0: organizational pipeline.
1: Yeah, exactly. The pipeline there, and, and he had him as kind of as a has a chance to play. And Dursey was down there with him actually. And there's questions about, you know, um, Spence's skating. It just makes me nervous. Um, as an undersized, because he, he is a little bit smaller than, than Derzy is, is, is he has playmaking ability, okay? And I think when he's in the offensive zone, he's dangerous, if that makes sense. Like when, he's, when the play's in and set up, he can make runs. Yeah, you saw that into, at the World Junior.
0: He was in the perfect spot and sniped that exactly. hit for his only he, goal.
1: He's, he's, he, he sees the play in front of him develop. He jumps into the area and he can make himself available. I think he's very good at that. I think in the offensive zone but i i think right now he's only 20 so it's not exactly like it's not saying he can't do it but I'm, i i want to see how this weekend and this is a great weekend for it um how he handles um the skating as as he goes up in levels i think i what i said in the piece was if he can't if his skating doesn't take the next level as he goes up in levels then it's going to be hard for him to progress um now, I'm not going to sit here and say he's like an abysmal skater or anything like that. It's just there's enough questions already that it gives me pause for somebody of his size to have a question mark like this. In um, zone, you can see it. Passing, playmaking, hockey IQ, you can see him on a power play. The rest of his game, is, he's probably going to be a bit of a work in progress.
0: You know, and I I heard this for Brant Clark because that was his biggest thing is like his skating isn't elite like Kill McCars, but his offensive ability, his instincts are. And the scout said, like, you can't like your natural reaction, your gut reaction that happens in a millisecond, it's very hard, if almost impossible to teach that. But there are skating coaches galore. And so, like, Mm -hmm. if he now that he's going to be in the Kings organization and not in Canada, like that could be his biggest jump this season as the season goes along.
1: Exactly. I said exactly that. Now, now he's here. He's with the Kings organization. It's up to their development staff to see if they can mold him into kind of a more well-rounded defenseman. Because, and that's okay. He's 20, right? He he. Not everybody has to to be ready, ready to go and, and you know contend for an NHL spot at 20, 21 years old. So it's 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 okay. Um, but I think there's an offensive mind here. There's an offensive brain. There's offensive ability with his hands and his shot. Um, if the skating improves then you've got a guy that can that can be an offensive threat, maybe in a, in a mid to bottom pair, but getting maybe power play two minutes type of thing.
0: Yeah, and so like you, you think about it and, and that's, that's great that you said that because I think a lot of fans have to uh, just like taper your expectations in general for what a prospect is and everybody's development path is different. And we talk about this like in our hockey royalty chat all the time, like, you know, and we've talked about in this pod, like what we expect, you know, our higher end prospects to be, and reality is, like, just based on my basic deep dive, like, from age 21 under, there was only an average of 1.45 players per team that were under 21. So, like, you know, that was just a quick dive. So, like, if somebody wants to fact check me, then go ahead and spend your time doing that. But for me, it's like, that just proves that, like, not every player, even if they're top five or top 10, are are able to shoulder that load. And if even if they are in the league, they struggle. Like, I think everybody's assumed Capo Caco, the guy that everybody wanted the Kings to go to would have had a better career so far, especially playing with high end elite centers, like Savannah Jad, you know, like he should have had a better career so far in his first few years and he struggled mm-hmm. a little bit. So like, that's why I'm not like, okay, if Byfield isn't on the roster day one, I'm freaking out. I'm just, I'm, I'm ready to let him, you know, if he plays 10 games in the A and comes up great, you know? So like yeah. for Jordan Spence, For Jordan Spence, it's like you couldn't have asked for a better start to his career, right? Defensive player, defensive rookie of the year, defensive player of the year, made the world junior team. Like Canada had all number, all first round picks besides him and one other guy. Like he's a fourth round guy. He even the fact that he made the roster with how stacked the world junior team was is a testament to him, scored one goal in the only game that they let him play. And then now he's coming over here. It's like there hasn't been an award or an accolade that he hasn't won so far. And, you know, it's like, I think that the sky's the limit for him and, and, and especially for, uh, for a guy, his, his size and being able to drive the points <clears throat> from the defensive side is something that helps out the offense yep. and, and it allows them to make more plays. Like you look at guys like, like we were talking about Sodergren that likes to play around the net. Spence is going to shoot those shots. He's going to use his body, to get those rebounds and get those dirty pucks. Uh, and right the crease and like those, the types of goals that you need, even though everybody likes the snipe shows and the behind the back passes mm-hmm. and everything like that. It's like a lot of the goals are dirty and, and players doing things that they need to do to score and having that offensive ability. It just, it's going to be up to him. And from what we've heard, I think he's up to the task of, of improving that part of his game. He,
1: he recognized it. He said it in development camp after that, you know, in some of the, the pressers that, that he said that he knew, you know he's looking to add weight. He's put some weight on. He said that he was working with Matt Green and the and the development guys there with the Kings. are really focused on his defensive game. He more he more or less said, don't worry about. We're not working on your offensive game. We're really literally only going to work on your defensive side of the game because you know again in zone he he's he's fine. It's the other two zones where where he needs to work. But again, he's 20. If he's not ready to play in the NHL until 23 that's okay <laughs> yeah. you know?
0: and we'll re, we'll okay. reiterate this all the time scouts and unity says this all the time elite skills get you to the league and then you have to round out your game to stay in the league and so his elite offensive ability is going to get him in the league and then it's just going to be up to him if his skating and his defensive ability can allow him to stay and play over the the 99 or 200 game threshold
1: something else i'll say too you know i hear a lot in baseball podcasts uh with 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 certain players. And I completely agree with it. That prospect growth is not linear. You know, you are going to, is a a hat tip to to Paul Paul's for anybody who listens to fan graphs, but it's not linear. And these kids, especially in, in hockey where some of these guys are coming from overseas, some of these guys are playing different leagues. And now we're coming off the past two seasons that have been interrupted by a pandemic. So the development's going to be all over the map. So again, there's no, you know just again in talking about spence if he's if at 20 years old if he's not ready um until he's 23 24 that's okay um because some guys and i know and and you heard this a lot i I used to hear this a lot growing up and i guess i actually don't know there's probably been studies on this if if it actually is true that defensemen take longer to develop um it wouldn't surprise me but you know everybody always talks about oh victor Hedman and took him some time and Rasmus Dowling over in Buffalo has had some growing pain. So like, it's, it's okay that some of these guys take a bit of time. It's okay.
0: Yeah. So lastly, I go to the goalie core and we know that, um, you know, I was a big proponent of wanting to take a goalie in the first round. I'm, you know, obviously ecstatic for Brent Clark, but mm-hmm. I thought one of our deficiencies was the fact that a lot of our goalie prospects uh, didn't really have a good season last year. They haven't really, like, you haven't really seen one where you're, like, pointing a finger at. And obviously, like you said, growth isn't linear. So maybe it's just growing pains of adjusting Especially the leagues. Goalies, yeah, for goalies. Yeah. But, you know, Lucas Parik being a third rounder, Jacob being on um, being a 6th rounder, but having more, uh, more games at higher levels at the, for the Swamp Rabbits. And, you know, and then uh, Parik really just playing in the USHL last year. So, kind of seeing those two guys, I would like to see. I'm sure with just the three games, they're bringing three goalies, but I'm sure they'll either play Ingham twice or Parik twice, or maybe they'll let Letton in play one game, too. Who knows? Since he came there, or maybe they'll do split games where it'll be two periods right. and one. Who knows with these camps and stuff like that. So, yeah, so. but I would like to see how he looks. You know, you got Parik who's 6'4, Ingham who's 6'4, they're both around 190. You know, like so bigger goalies than what, you know, uh, than what some of the ones that you know other teams have and hadn't seen how well they move and I was really impressed with the game that Parikh had in the world juniors I know that his team that he was with wasn't very good so they got slaughtered but he did pitch a shutout in one of the games and
1: I remember that game yeah, yeah. he, he I'm, I'm, I'm probably oh man this maybe isn't fair I'm probably like most quote-unquote excited about Parikh I guess and you know I don't I, like it's not necessarily, I don't want to make, take too much away from Volalta or even Ingham, I guess for that matter, but man, I'll be honest if there's one thing kind of going back and rewatching like some tape from Rain Games from this past season, just doing some of these previews and stuff, like I'm seeing a lot of goals, <laughs> Randolph, that, and like not good ones. like it, it was rough. It was, it was rough last
0: year. What are those infomercials? It reminds me of like one of those infomercials where like they had the boat and they like slapped the tape on it to stop it from leaking. Like that's what it felt <laughs> like. Flexio. Yeah, Flexio. That's what it felt like all year. And you know, like I'm a, I don't want to take anything away from any of the goalies. I just, I'm just intrigued, right? Like, so two new guys. Right. We didn't really get to see much of Ingham. We haven't seen anything of Parikh. Um, is Vault Lalta just taking a little bit longer? I mean, he's not coming to this little uh, shindig that we have going on, but. I'm just kind of intrigued, you know. The, do they take the opportunity, even though it might be one game, and it's going to be unfair to say one game defines them or whatever. But getting that, like we said with other guys, getting that momentum, dude. If you if you pitch a good game in this tournament, you go into camp, get yourself feeling good, and then you go into the rain camp. Like building up that momentum could be something there. And I think with me not really having any expectations for Volta, Ingham, or Pareek, I'm just kind of interested based on draft capital from the Parikh standpoint on, I mean, I know Velalto was a high pick as well, but, or higher pick, but I'm kind mm-hmm. of interested in seeing what Parikh brings to the table and if he can kind of push from the back uh, or if he's just going to be uh, with the Swamp Rabbits as well.
1: I mean, my, my hope still with Velalto is he's, he's young, he's 22 years old, but um... Our, our guy Ryan Sykes, did a uh, a goal depth chart down the site, and this is kind of alarming. He had eighteen starts in the regular season last year, half of them he allowed four goals or more. I obviously understand not everything can always fall I don't mean to, to make it sound like that, but you know at the end of the day the, we th- there's a lot of pucks going in the rain that last year, so um, you know what this does for me, and I don't know this maybe sound a little alarmist and I don't mean to but like L Peterson better work. Right? Well, like this better be the guy and he better stay healthy because there ain't anything behind him.
0: Well, this season you're gonna have quit, but for me, you gotta yeah, always I'll, find I'll,
1: you. I'll keep with that in fairness. I'll, yeah. I'll you know, I again love him what he's done for the organization, but his game is not what it was. Yeah. So they better be right with 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 Peterson. Well, I, think I think they, they are. Play don't get me wrong. But there's not a lot of wiggle room here.
0: <laughs> okay, well, let's go straight into this little game i just coming up with the top of my head. Let's play over-under. <laughs> over-under 50 starts for Peterson. Ooh.
1: I want to say over. Well, I'm going to say it better be over.
0: Over. Uh, I, I hope it's over, too. Uh, over-under 50 games for Quinton Byfield. Over. Okay. Over under. We'll go fifty as well for your guy Kaliev.
1: I if it's under, I'm calling Rob Blake. Yeah.
0: Get him on. Get him on the on, on it. <laughs> uh, with with a new, with a new, uh, new uh with a new goal scoring in Arvidsson over under twenty five goals. Good number. Um.
1: I'm. Uh, you know what? I'm going to be an optimist. I'm going to say over.
0: If I would have so said 20 right, goals, if I would have said 20 goals, you would have punched the over instantly. So I, I bumped it up a little yes, bit. Yeah,
1: 25 is a very fair number. I can see right in that mid 20s range. Okay,
0: and then with Kopitar having more offensive uh, leeway this year, with Dano, can he get back over under 85 points?
1: <sighs> I'm going to say under, um, and that's not a slight. It's just he regardless of what was added you know with with gano his game is just i don't see he's not somebody and i this is a heavy word um like he's not going to cheat to to change his game and be more offensive he is just he has built a career on being a 200 foot player and that's just not going to change now maybe he doesn't have to play against the other team's top guys as much. So he has a little bit less time to spend in the D zone. I can see that, but um, I'm going to say, I think it's a good number, but I'm going to, I'm going to say under, uh, mm-hmm. I hope I'm wrong.
0: But I just I think, think uh, yeah. I look at the way, like they took a lot of defensive responsibility away from Brown last year, and it was able to get his legs underneath him to get him mm-hmm. more goals. Sure. I think you kind of see that trickle down effect and then he'll have them play with an actual scoring winger. And the optimism in me of us making the playoffs, I think if he needs to score over 85 for us to do that.
1: And guys, and you know, guys that are, you know, Copa in is mid-30s now. Let's not forget Brown is, is, is upper 30s. He's about 37. So the, the time that kind of weird schedule and the, the way the pandemic and kind of affected everything, maybe in a weird way, you know, extends their, their play as top. Well, I mean, Kobotar, I'm not worried about being a top-line player for the next few years, but, but you know, Brown, maybe it extends him an extra year that that, that time off or that limited not as many games is, is going to be good for the body. That, that can be something, too.
0: Okay, and then we're going to go with uh, Pick Your Poison here. Who do you think leads the Reign in points next season?
1: Rasmus Kapari.
0: So you don't think he gets much jam up in the in the major level
1: i don't and that's, that's the reason why i'm saying that i i and i don't think that is like i don't think that's a horrible thing um if he does great I And mean, if he lighten it up it goes great but i'm gonna say kapari because i think byfield kaliev i think byfield is going to be the center not kapari kaliev is the elite scoring winger and i think those two guys are first and i think you know, obviously, it'll be either him or Turkot are kind of that next, next guy. That's the way I'm looking at it. So
0: I'm going to say Kamari. I'm going to go with my man Turks. I think he needs yep. – I think he's going to uh, jam it out there. And, and I'm saying jam a lot. I must want a PB and J, a little Uncrustable or something.
1: PB and J is highly underrated. I don't think he gets nearly enough credit.
0: You know I was listening yeah I think you're right I think I was listening to this podcast and like he's such a fan of uh uncrustables and I've never had one and I was over at a buddy's house and they had them and I was like like they okay on the podcast they recommend putting it in the microwave a little bit get the peanut butter towards kind of gooey and then oh it was delicious it was like 500 calories so it was like my whole dinner but it was it was <laughs> delicious Oh yeah. man oh man so Lots to look forward to, guys. So, uh, like I said, you can watch all these uh, games online. If you are close to the area and want to go catch the games, the tickets are pretty cheap. Go for a weekend. Uh, Arizona is wide open for for business, so go you know have some bars and restaurants and good food down there and, and catch some hockey games. And then uh, camp starts back up what on the twenty third, I believe. So we're right, right around, the,
1: around the corner
0: right around the corner guys and you know we're going to keep out more content like this hopefully we can get some more guests on if not joe and i will gab your ear off as long as you will listen so uh go uh you can always go to hockeyroyalty.com we're posting articles every single day it seems like um i don't know how these guys don't have carpal tunnel on their fingers yet but uh Keep checking those out and uh, we're posting them on Twitter all the time. So follow us at uh, hockey underscore royalty on Twitter and see all these new articles coming out, get all the, the, the uh, info on all these players on the games coming up. Um, You know, and then when the games start, I know I got my AHL TV package. Um, You know, I'll probably have to let you bum, you know, my password because the fact that you just bought a new house, but we'll work something out so we can so we can uh get these games going and like and then you know we'll figure out the schedule then. I mean, I don't know that's down the line, but maybe a little little post game, you know, maybe and then we want to do some fan interaction with you guys. So um, you know, maybe we'll do a QA, we'll post something on Twitter and get some questions from you guys next time as well. So it's been a pleasure, Joe, as always, and I look forward to seeing that that glorious mug again soon.
1: I can't wait. Can't wait. Have a good weekend.
0: All right, you too, my man.
1: Yeah.